Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to the Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. The question I ask you to ponder in this half hour is, are you submitting to the authorities that God has placed over your life for your protection? Well, this can get tricky. For instance, let's say it's 1940, you live in Nazi Germany, and the authorities are asking you, where are you hiding the Jews? Do you submit to authority? Let's say you're a lady in New Mexico and you do photography for weddings and you're asked to do a lesbian commitment service and in full conscience you can't and the state of New Mexico says then you're going to be fined $8,000. Do you start doing lesbian weddings? Let's say you're a pharmacist and your boss requires you to dispense the abortion pill. Do you do that? Let's say you're living in 300 A.D. and the Roman government is throwing Christians to the lions. Do you pay your taxes to support the Roman government? Let's say you live in the state of Minnesota and the Supreme Court of Minnesota in the Gomez decision decides that taxpayers have to pay for abortions in the state of Minnesota and a, 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 in one year about 4,000 abortions were done to the tune of $1,600,000 in Minnesota paid for by your tax dollars. Do you pay your taxes in Minnesota? One more example. Let's say you're a pastor in Canada and the new law says that if you preach against homosexuality you can be brought up on charges of hate speech. Do you keep preaching the Bible? Well, let's ask the question in this half hour, do you always submit to authority? America is changing. President Barack Obama a while ago spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast and he said, religious freedom is under attack today. And I thought, yes, because of you, when you've got the White House versus the Little Sisters of the Poor, these old Catholic nuns that don't want to pay for contraceptives, and the White House going against Christians who can't in full conscience get involved in this kind of thing, do you submit to the government? Well, that's the question. What I want to ask you to do, the Bible does deal with the question, turn in your New Testaments to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 and we're going to see what Jesus said about submitting to authority. Let's pray first. Father, we live in times now where Christians are being under attack for standing up for their beliefs. We pray somehow, Lord, you would give us government in America and throughout the world that will protect religious freedom. But Lord, if we're called upon to suffer, give us the grace to stand up and suffer. Help us not cave, Lord. And Lord Jesus, speak to us now. We ask in your name. Amen. Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 27. And they, Jesus and the disciples, came again to Jerusalem, 
And as Jesus was walking in the temple, the chief priests, that's the authority of his day, the chief priests and scribes and elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Let me explain this. Just a few verses earlier, Jesus cleansed the temple. He threw out the money changers. He overturned the temple. That was the job of the chief priests. They should have done it. They didn't. So Jesus did it and got in trouble. And who are you to do this? So here's the first lesson I want you to get from this text. Expect opposition for doing the right thing. When you do the right thing, the people who should have been doing the right thing will get upset with you for doing the right thing. <laughs> That's what's going on in this verse. I mean, I love to go to garage sales. So I remember one time I was at a garage sale, and this lady says, oh, don't you love garage sales? Aren't they fun? I said, yeah. And uh, I find Sunday is the best day to go garage selling. Do you go garage selling on Sunday? And I said, no. Well, how come? I said, well, I'm normally in church on Sunday, and you should have seen her face. Guilt, 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 guilt. <laughs> <laughs> and when you do the right thing, you make other people who deep down know they should be doing the right thing mad at you because you're doing the right thing. That's what's going on in this verse. Years ago, I, w I was at a church that had four pastors at it, and one of the pastors preached a sermon, and one lady in the church got so angry at that pastor for what he said. And and the oldest pastor, this old white hair pastor, said to us other pastors, when you throw a brick into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. <laughs> What's happening in this verse? The chief priests are getting hit in their conscience about not taking care of things, and they're yelping. When you do the right thing, you'll cause other people to feel guilty. Look at verse 29. Jesus said to them, I will ask you, chief priest, one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Here's the question. Was the baptism of John, John the Baptist, from heaven or from man? Answer me. Here's the next lesson. If you don't accept smaller revelation, you won't accept larger revelation. The chief priest did not accept John the Baptist's smaller revelation of God, so they're not going to accept Jesus' bigger revelation of God. We have chief priests in our American culture today who say they are Christians who are denying the revelation of God. For instance, Jane Fonda says she's become a Christian. And I hope and I, I, I think, wonderful, isn't that great? So I'm in the bookstore and here's the Jane Fonda book and she's talking about her religious beliefs. She still is very pro-abortion rights. She kind of is into feminist goddess worship. Uh, she's not married, but she talks about how, you know, at her age she really enjoys sex with her boyfriend, but she's a Christian. One of the high priestesses of our culture is Oprah. Oprah says she's a Christian, but she wrote this. One of the most important books I've ever read was a book by Eric Butterworth called Discover the Power Within You. What Eric Butterworth said in the book is that Jesus did not come to teach us how divine he was, but he came to teach us there is divinity within us. In other words, Jesus is God, but so are we. That's not Christianity. 
Barack Obama has written a book. He says he's a Christian, even though he's got a 100% pro-abortion voting record, even though now he's promoting gay marriage, but he says he's a Christian. Listen to this. While answering a question about his Christian faith, Obama said he believes Jesus Christ died for his sins, and through God's grace and mercy, he could have everlasting life. So far, so good. Next sentence. But he also believes Jews and Muslims and non-believers who live moral lives are just as much children of God as he is. Of his mother, who was an unbeliever, Obama said, My mother was the kindest, most decent, generous person I have ever known. I'm sure she's in heaven, even though she may not have subscribed to everything that I subscribe to. In other words, you don't really need Jesus to be saved. Just be nice and you'll get to heaven. That is not the teaching of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says, if you can be justified by works, by, by, by the law, then Jesus died for no reason. You can get to heaven by being good, which no one is. Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. That's what, uh, my point is, we have people in our, our culture who are denying God on the lesser things, premarital sex, abortion, homosexuality. Well, when you do that, you end up denying him on the bigger things like salvation. Verse 31, and the chief priests discussed with one another, saying, If we say John the Baptist was from heaven, Jesus will say, Then why did not you believe him? But shall we say, From man? For they were afraid of the people, for all the people held that John the Baptist was really a prophet. Here's the next lesson. Fear God, not man. The problem with the chief priests is they feared man, not God. Years ago, when I was in seminary, our old preaching professor told us this story. One of his students went out and became a pastor, brand new pastor. I think it was a rural church in Minnesota, a Lutheran congregation. And he said, my student came back to me and said, Professor, wife swapping is going on in my congregation. They're swingers. What do I do? And the old preaching professor said, preach about it. So this young preacher gets in the pulpit and says, adultery is going on in this congregation. Wife swapping is going on. I know who you are, and if it doesn't stop, I'm going to name names from the pulpit. <laughs> and according to this old professor, that did it. <laughs> but I, I heard that, and, and I'm thinking this. How often does God ask you or me to say something difficult? And we don't, because we fear man rather than God. Verse 33, So they answered Jesus, We do not know where John the Baptist came from. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Here's the next lesson. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Jesus said in, in Matthew 7, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. In other words, there are times when you know somebody's going to be hostile to what you say that you just don't say anything. I remember years ago having a difficult conversation with a relative of mine, and she said something very awful and unbiblical. And I just bit my tongue, and I didn't say a word back. And after a while, she said, you don't agree with that, do you? And I said, nope. 
And sometimes, and I think in that instance, your silence is stronger than your words. And, there, and Jesus said nothing to these uh, Pharisees and chief priests because he knew not going to do any good. Well, that's the text. That's the story. For the rest of the sermon, I want to ask the question, what about submitting to authority? And my point now is going to be, yes, overwhelmingly, you are supposed to submit to authority. Let me tell you what you're supposed to submit to. Number one, the Bible. This comes from 2 Thessalonians 3. Paul writes, If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person, have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. In other words, the epistles, the letters of the New Testament, Paul says, people need to submit to this. A second thing we're to submit to, number one, the Bible, number two, we're to submit to the government. Romans chapter 13, Paul writes, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist, and Paul's talking about the cruel Roman government, those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. So if the sign says 55 miles per hour and you're going 65, I think you're sinning. You're to submit to the Bible, to the government. Uh, thirdly, we're to submit to church leaders. I hope all of you go to church that are watching this show, and I hope you do this. Hebrews 13, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So go to a good church and submit to the pastor and to the elders. Another thing we're to submit to, it says wives are to submit to their husbands, uh, Colossians 3.18. Another thing, it says children, you are to submit to your parents, Colossians chapter 3. And employees, you are to submit to your employers. 1 Peter 2 says servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So if you have a mean boss, submit to him anyway. So yes, my main point is, overwhelmingly the Bible says God has set up authority for your own safety and protection submit to authority but now the question always well um, are there any exceptions yes there are Acts chapter 4 quote so they the chief priests called in the apostles and told them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus and Peter and John answered them whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we had seen and heard. And then the same thing happens in the next chapter, Acts 5. When they brought the, the apostles in, they set them before the council, the high priest questioned them. We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring Jesus' blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. So the point is, sometimes there are exceptions. For instance, if you're the wife in the family and you normally do the taxes and your husband tells you to cheat on the taxes to save money, do you submit to that? I don't think you do. I think you say, honey, the Bible says pay taxes to whom taxes are due. I'm paying the taxes. If you don't want that, you do the taxes. <laughs> or let's say you're that pastor in Canada and you're told either you shut up about homosexuality or you're going to jail, I hope I would say, I'm not going to be quiet. Let's say you're a pharmacist and now you're being required to give out the abortion pill. I know it would be hard to lose your job. I hope 
I would lose my job before I'd submit to that? Or one more, let's say you live in the state of Minnesota where your tax dollars are paying for abortions now because of the liberal Supreme Court of our state that mandates that. Somehow they say that's in the Constitution of the state of Minnesota. Do you pay your taxes? Well, I think you do because Paul tells us, Jesus tells us, render unto Caesar. We are to pay our taxes, and he was talking about corrupt Rome that was killing Christians. So yes, I think you pay your taxes in the state of Minnesota, but use some of your money to give to uh, pro-life groups that are working to overthrow that horrible decision. Well, I want to close with this. Perhaps you've heard of Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Sadly, during World War II, many German Lutheran pastors bowed the knee to Hitler, but some didn't. One who didn't was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In fact, Bonhoeffer was part of the plot to assassinate Hitler, and I want to read this. Bonhoeffer was arrested April 1943 after money that he used to help Jews escape to Switzerland was traced back to him. He was charged with conspiracy and imprisoned in Berlin for a year and a half. In Flossenburg, Bonhoeffer was executed by hanging on April 9, 1945, just three weeks before Germany was set free by the uh, Allies. The manner of execution was, like other executions associated with the assassination plot, brutal and graphic. Bonhoeffer was stripped of his clothing in the cell, tortured and ridiculed by guards, and led naked into the execution yard. The lack of sufficient gallows to hang the thousands of Germans after the assassination plot caused Hitler and Goebbels to seize upon the idea of using meat, hoc, meat hooks from slaughterhouses to slowly hoist the victim to dangle incrementally from a noose formed by piano wire. The asphyxiation is thought to have taken approximately half an hour and Bonhoeffer died. Which means Sometimes, for the sake of Christ, we say no to the government, and if you're going to kill me, kill me. I'll just share one last thing I thought of when I was going through this. I don't like to exercise. In fact, I hate to exercise. And I bought some weights at a garage sale, and they sat in my basement for eight years, and I looked at them. And then one day, I started picking those weights up. And now I run, I lift weights, I hate it, but I do it because even though I hate the short-term agony of exercise, I love the long-term benefits. I feel so much better, I feel stronger. So my point is this, if Christian, short-term, God is asking you to suffer for Christ, do it because the long-term benefits are incredible. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if he could come down from heaven and talk to you today, he would say, you know, we're only living on earth for 10 seconds, then there's eternity. There are wonderful, sh this horrible short-term thing called life where Christians can suffer. Go for suffering if Christ is calling you to suffer because the long-term benefit will definitely be worth it. Bonhoeffer would tell you that today. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you talked about that we're to submit to the authority of scripture, but 
I guess my question for you is, when you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament has like a lot of food laws. It has slavery. It has polygamy. Mm -hmm. So do we follow those rules yeah. when things are different in the New Testament? Right. When I take a stand against homosexuality, Jackie, I often get, well, the Bible condones slavery, and we threw that away. The Bible says, uh, you know, you can't wear a tweed coat, and we threw that away. So let's throw away what the Bible says about homosexuality. Au contraire, there's a response to this. The Old Testament food laws and ritual laws Jesus fulfilled when he died on the cross. And the New Testament makes that clear. And so, Jackie, you can have a hot dog. I can have a hot dog. Old Testament Jews couldn't eat pork. You and I can eat pork because the New Testament says Jesus now has declared all foods clean. And the Bible never says polygamy is a good thing. In fact, Jesus said in the beginning God made them one man, one woman. And, and, and so it, it allows for polygamy. It has rules for polygamy. Never says it's a good thing, but some of those rules protect the wife. And the Bible also has uh, slavery rules, some of which are to protect the slaves. It never says slavery is a good thing. Paul says if you can get your freedom, get it. So um, some of this people play, you need to read the scriptures, study it, have some good commentaries with you. But uh, we submit to all the scriptures, but we don't submit to the scriptures that Jesus fulfilled and did away with, like food laws. Okay, that makes sense. No. Um, can you give me an example of when a Christian should disobey the government? Or is there an well, example? Well, I think... Because um, there's I, a lot of things the government is doing that... Well, yes, America has changed. America used to be Christian-friendly when you've got the President of the United States versus the Little Sisters of the Poor of the Catholic Church, or God bless Hobby Lobby, those people are evangelical Christians, they too are taking a stand against forcing them to pay for contraceptives and such. Um, we live in a different day and age, and I thank God for the Little Sisters of the Poor that have a lawyer and they're suing the President. <laughs> so, um, you know, Jackie, when do you do it, when don't you do it? You pray, you pray for wisdom. I think there's some things you submit to that you don't want to, like paying taxes now, uh, and with those the concerns, but you are, you are, we are supposed to pay our taxes, and Paul said that of ancient Rome, so that's true today. But I, I, I praise God for pastors that'll stand up, like this pastor in Canada. You know, God bless him, and actually, ultimately, he won because mm -hmm. there's still some freedom of speech in Canada. But we'll we'll see what happens next. Well, our pledge says one nation under God. Yeah. Is that going to be taken away? Uh, there's some that want to take that away. Why? Uh, because they think uh, that's pushing religion through the government. And uh, again, our founding fathers, Barack Obama is for gay marriage. And, and some of these people think this kind of thing is really in the Constitution. Can you imagine George Washington, even Thomas Jefferson, who was not very religious, can you imagine these people thinking that somehow the U.S. Constitution protects gay marriage, they'd say, you're kidding. Find that in the Constitution. Okay, Pastor Brock, you kind of went kind of quickly through some instances when you were talking today about when maybe you shouldn't submit, like wives submit to your husbands. Mm -hmm. You talked about that, and you said if the husband was requesting her to sin, yeah. that you have a problem. Yeah. How about and you talked about a boss at work. Mm -hmm. Where does that authority come to disobey? Yeah. I heard this story. Here is a famous football player. She's the language here, but 
and his, he wanted his wife to have sex with another man so he could watch. And this, this professor that was telling us a story, a Christian professor, they came, she came to him for counseling. She said, well, the Bible says I submit to my husband. Do I submit to that? And she said, no. he said, no, thou shalt not commit adultery. The law of God is higher than the law of the husband. But so, so there are times you say no to your husband, Jackie. But overwhelmingly, even pagan, unbelieving husbands normally want the best for their wife and children. So normally, even you can submit to a pagan husband, but there are times you say no. Okay. Pastor Brock, you know, with everything you've talked about in that, within this sermon, do you believe that persecution is coming to America yeah. for Christians? It's already here. And it's not here like it is in North Korea. Jackie, you can die if, you, if you're caught with the Bible in North Korea. In America... Uh, we've just we've passed now gay marriage in Minnesota, and the uh, the legislatures uh, somebody brought up a bill to protect Christians so that Christian florists and photographers wouldn't have to do a gay marriage if it was against their uh, conscience. Those legislators would have none of that. There are no exceptions for anything. This will be an interesting year to see what happens to some Christians who stand up against this. This will be an interesting year. So, should a Christian florist or a baker? not provide services if they disagree? I, I hope some stand up and say no, and we'll see what happens. But God bless those that are, I mean, the, I, there's bakers in Oregon that had to shop, they had to shut down their bakery because they wouldn't do homosexual weddings. So how does a Christian stand up to the persecution? Yeah, I think, first of all, it's hard to be a Christian in this world. It always has, but it's getting worse. Number one, Make sure you're part of a good Christian Bible-preaching church. Don't try to be a Christian on your own. You'll, you'll lose. We all need our Christian brothers and sisters. So make sure you go to church every Sunday. Find a good Bible-preaching church. Go to church every Sunday. Of course, I pray every day, Jackie. I read my Bible every day uh, and Christian fellowship. I think those are the main things. How does one, as a Christian, in the employment sector today, share their faith without fear? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we still re got to remind ourselves there is still freedom of speech in America. And sometimes the ACLU and other groups get us, try to get us to think that if you bring up God at the workplace, somehow you're violating the law. I, I don't want to lay that on the ACLU. Maybe they don't do, do that, but they, they seem to. That's my opinion. Um, you still have freedom of speech. You know, you can't, if your boss says, I don't want to hear anything about religion in this office, I guess you submit to that. But I'm not sure you can't take a complaint to the human relations department or to even a lawyer and say, is he violating my civil rights? I think one of the hardest things in the modern day workplace is the different ethnic groups who have different religious mm -hmm. rights. Mm -hmm. And some people are allowed because of their religious preference to have things that Christians yeah. don't get time yeah, for. Yeah, isn't that something? I know. So yeah. we're out of time, Pastor Brock. <laughs> okay. So we just want to thank you for continuing to support this ministry, praying for us, and watching us on a regular basis. God bless until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Thank you.